When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello there and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. I'm Andrew Musgrove and today joined by Mark Douglas and Lewis Arnold who is the photographer who, well, of our team who goes around and follows Newcastle United home and away with Lee Ryder and Chris Woff. So welcome to you, Lewis, your Thank first you. ever podcast here. Are you a bit Thank nervous? You. He's a bit nervous, you can tell he's a tad nervous, but then we'll, we'll dive straight in. Okay. Uh, you at the open day today. Uh, what was the atmosphere like? Yeah, the atmosphere was really good. I think it was a, uh, a good boost for the fans, you know, after what was probably a bit of a sort of, well, a flat start of the season, really, let's be honest. Um, but yeah, real nice touch at the start from Rafa, as we've come to expect, where he um, addressed the fans personally and took time to explain, you know, some of the exercises that we were going to watch on the pitch. Um, obviously, weather was amazing, so I think that probably helped with the crowd and you know what why these things are really good is that you know as I've photographed pretty much every Newcastle match and I've got to know a fair few of the fans and I saw fans there today who for whatever reason can't make it to matches there's um, fans who you know they haven't got the money to spend on away trips and what have you and it was nice to see some of them there and they were really appreciative of the club for having given them the chance to see the senior team um, it's quite it's, I really you know this Mark Douglas here the Newcastle editor but what I really what I really like about them doing that Lewis is, is that I think that you know Rafa kind of recognises the importance of it as well because like you know the every, every most clubs do this kind of thing but it's more than just a kind of just an exercise for Newcastle it yeah. feels like Rafa actually appreciates it doesn't it yeah he did he was taking time out you know to like um, to wave at the fans and when they're cheering chanting his name he was really sort of you know you could see he was enjoying it and getting into it um, and obviously it was a little bit more you know informal than a proper full on training session but you know I think the players enjoyed it speaking to them afterwards and I, I know the fans did I, I think the importance um, of this kind of event is it's kind of getting the kids in, in Newcastle United in. Yeah. loads of kids there all in strips you know it's sort of it's depressed me a little bit over the last few years when you start to see loads of like Arsenal strips and Chelsea strips cropping up you know um, on the streets of Tyneside like working for the Chronicle I photographed school kids playing football an awful lot and you know I just don't like to see Chelsea strips or Man City strips in the Chronicle, mm. you know. So it's, and I think the club's probably been missing a trick on that. I think um, that's why I like to really see them put in a good show against Forest in the Cup, because they're, they're the sort of matches where your season ticket holders don't attend so much, and you get kids turn out. It might be their first match, yeah. and you don't want your first Newcastle match to be a d- home defeat off Nottingham Forest. Mm. You know, you want to get enthusiastic about them from the start. I mean, uh, I took my 
eldest kid, his first match was that 6-0 defeat against Liverpool and you know, he was like it was hard <laughs> yards to get him back into Newcastle after that <laughs> it was hard yards to get me back to Newcastle after that lose, I didn't want to I didn't want to go. I know what you mean. I think you. I think you're absolutely spot on. I think the, the, the one of the things that the the club has to kind of realise is that there's this, you know, that, that for kids in particular, it might be for older generations, but you, you know, you go to Newcastle, you pass it down to your kids and stuff. But it's a different environment, different atmosphere now for kids. There's so much more TV coverage of the yeah. big, big four, big five. You know, they want marquee names. You have to be a bit. Newcastle have to be a bit more savvy and. You know, like you said, you know, you have to make the kit. The kits have to look good. The little things like that, like that black kit, I think kids will love that. Yeah, um, that is a good kit. That's got to be said. But yeah, like you said, I mean, kids can support Barcelona these days if they want to support Barcelona. And um, you know, I think definitely Rafa has had an impact. But since he's come, you know, it's fair to say for for the fans, the atmosphere, it's like night and day from what it was pre-Rafa. Mm. And you know, today it was, you know, after a disappointing defeat, it was a really good atmosphere. Um, talking to some of the dads who are around today, um, who are probably well, they're more into the football side of it. You know, they are slightly underwhelmed at the uh, new arrivals, and uh, you know, particularly that we haven't landed like a marquee striker. That was mentioned a few times mm-hmm. from talking to fans today. But at the same time, they do um, want to get behind the team and the kind of the, this really good group spirit that there seems to be. You know, they seem really fit, really motivated, like playing for each other. Um, they haven't got yet standout world beater player, but you know that team can function really well under Rafa. And you know. Everyone there today was fully behind the team and excited for the season ahead. Mm-hmm. So you've been to loads of games, loads of grounds. I mean, what makes the the kind of perfect shot for you? Is it is it as easy? I mean, you obviously make it look very easy. I suppose it's not as easy maybe as you make it. Well, it's not as easy as people think. Really, it's kind of like watching the match through a letterbox when you're looking through a camera with a long lens. So you don't get to see the big picture like you would see on match of the day. Um, to get like there's no real such thing as a perfect picture but you know what you're after I guess is something that's different which is hard to do because think how many photos get taken of football matches Um, so if you can get something with a little bit of originality it's really good if it's got some sort of um, like a newsy kind of value like you know if they've got the moment Shelby lost it at the weekend you know that that would that's been a really good picture, um, but working for the Chronicle, I shoot it from, as I sort of alluded to earlier, a kind of different way to all the Nationals guys. Like I'm not bothered. Like if we get beat five 0 off Man City, I'm not going to have a photograph of Man City. I don't want to see Man City in the Chronicle. You know, um, so I'm sh- I always shoot from the end, hoping Newcastle are going to score. Um, like if you think the Sun, they don't care if it's a picture of Man City or Newcastle, you know. Um, but I do. The, the Chronicle, you know, we try and make them look good because we we support them, you know. In the past, that's been hard. I remember that really bad away run where they just didn't seem to win for like, I don't know how long it was, but it seemed like forever. Um, and you know, it was getting hard to 
get good pictures out of a 1-0 defeat away to Stoke but you know then we did get the win I think it was against Spurs actually and the pictures were amazing the fans mm-hmm. were ecstatic and it's that sort of atmosphere in a picture combined with a, a moment that people might remember and that's kind of what makes a good football picture and have you got one picture I know you've done this for many many years now but have you got one picture that particularly stands out for you I have actually but it pains us to say it's a picture of Sunderland fans <laughs> um, when uh, they, they were at Wembley and they scored at Wembley and I actually thought they were going to win that cup but uh, thankfully Man City came back <laughs> but yeah they that that captured that amazing moment for those fans when their team was ahead at Wembley and you know that's getting back to that cup thing I think you know this season realistically top end of the table is probably not going to happen but you know if we did have a go at the Cups you know that would be a real reward for the fans if we could get a trip to Wembley you know aside from the league visit you know but it's um, yeah there's, there's been loads of pictures over I mean I've nice pictures of Rafa I love a nice picture of Rafa mm-hmm. it's quite easy to do but because um, he's you know, he is quite photogenic, but um, he's quite photogenic. How do you mean? Like, so it, a lot of people would say, you know, it's probably not. He, he just he always looks kind of. He always looks so focused. Yeah. To me, you know, every picture you see of him, he's got no. I remember a moment last two seasons ago where Steve McLaren at the end of a game against Stoke went straight to Jack Butland at the end to give Butland. Um, Handshake because Butland had played really well, and I thought in my head McLaren wants that picture to be the picture of the match. As if we've played really well, I'm going to. I want this picture to be me and Butland. I feel with, with Rafa, he never really gives away anything when he's when he's being photographed. That's why that picture. I think that your picture actually of him with his medal. Um, you did a picture of him with his medal, didn't you? Kind yeah. of looking at it yeah. um, with the championship medal. I love that because that was just like you know guy who's won the Champions League won everything and he stood there with his medal looking at his championship medal and it looked like it meant the world to him and I just love that picture and it was like the picture that's on the front of my book Yeah, there was your picture as well um, he hadn't smiled that much for about a few months because he was so focused and that picture was just fantastic it was such a great picture um, and I was like so pleased to use it on the front of the book you know your permission obviously yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean both those pictures I'm obviously pretty pleased with but it's you know I think Rafa does enjoy his job I think he is enjoying being here obviously it's a serious business he's got to like be focused like you say but if you if you train your camera on him there will be a moment where he kind of opens up and that's where you get the picture like that picture with the medal um it kind of breaks a lot of rules you can't really see his eyes yeah. you could, but you just know he's having a little reflective moment away from all the the hubbub of the TV cameras and uh, you know it just it just shows that, that that winning that medal did mean something to him um, I think throughout the season there was a few um, moments where like walking off pitches after hard fought wins in the championship um, you know he was saluting like a a big travelling support we got some nice stuff off from that 
um, and you know it's um, I think he's he's it's fair to say he's not your like uh, stereotypical photographic model but he has got like a uh, <laughs> a real sort of statesman like yeah. sort of um, demeanour and that, that comes across you know um, it's you know it's, it's a pleasure to photograph the team at the moment that's a fantastic insight there into uh, Lewis's job and, he, and there were some great photographs from last year as well and you kind of did get to see especially in those last few games when Rafa's kind of wall his defensive wall mm. came down and like you said the medal he, he looked he looked a totally different character um, and this summer obviously we've seen different sides of Rafa's character but one kind of side of him's kind of stayed there and that's been possibly the unhappiness of the way the window has gone obviously mm. Mike Asher the big interview with Sky Sports earlier this week and we've, we've done a lot on it early, early part of the week so now it's time for a bit more of analysis from yourself mm. Mark um, obviously first and foremost what, what what did you make of it just in general um, I, I was kind of mixed feelings about about Mike Ashley talking because we asked for Mike Ashley to talk um, before he, I mean I think he's given three interviews now he's given four, maybe even four actually he gave one at the end of the West Ham game um, he spoke to the Mirror, I think, uh, which was about Sports Direct, which is about Sports Direct. But he, he's mentioned a little bit about Newcastle there. Uh, that was just before they got relegated. Then there was another interview, wasn't there? And this is the kind of fourth big interview he's done in maybe three years. Um, my my issue with it, so I don't have a problem with him talking because I, I, you know, I'd like to hear him talk. I'd like to hear him sort of communicate, and you don't get many owners who do that. So I'll give him credit for that. Um, but my issue with it is that the questions are not, and I'm not criticising another journalist. I don't want to do that because you know, at the end of the day, it was a great, a great scoop, and we would we would love to speak to Mike Ashley. We've asked to speak to him several times, and, and, and never got anywhere with that one. Uh, I understand that when the Mirror, um, when there was the kind of media partnership arrangement, one of the things that Newcastle was sort of when they were kind of asking people whether they were interested in that media partnership. It was my understanding that one of the things that quite a lot of the media sort of said oh, if, you, if we can get Mike Ashley then there might be you know I think but that never happened so whether it is that he has to know the person who's speaking to him but I, I think that the questions were um, you know from a national perspective were, you came up with some really interesting answers but I don't think there was a lot of detail there I think Mick Quinn said um, earlier in the week it was a bit shallow and I think I probably agree with them on that that we heard quite a lot about how sorry he was to that what happened with Alan Shearer and Kevin Keegan um, yet you know he's got a manager there who's f- clearly frustrated now he hasn't didn't speak to him on Sunday di- hasn't spoken to him at all over the summer um, so you know he, it is within his gift to uh, if not maybe alleviate the concerns that Mike Ashton that, that Rafa Benitez has got at least to to sort of speak to him and to kind of say right well, what's the problems how do we go about fixing this one of my big issues with Mike Ashley is that a lot of the things that he says don't bear a lot of kind of relation to what's actually going on and and it's so confusing and I think there's a there's a you know for me that, that one of the things that he said he came and talked about um you know well we can't compete with Manchester City well, nobody's saying you should people are asking the question of where money has gone that Newcastle have they have a low wage bill yet they're trying to shoot in a you know pretty low they're, they're trying low ball players with, with wage demands now could have been questions about that. I'd like to have heard something asked about um, Honest Gutierrez, what happened there. I would have liked to have heard, I would have liked to have heard him asked what happened in January 
because that's a really pressing question. Why is Justin Barnes at the football club? What is that about? Why is has that appointment changed things? Um, so there was a lot of questions that I would have asked that, that, that weren't asked. But my main feeling on it was that there was a lot of contradictory stuff there. He was talking about how we don't want Newcastle. I don't, you know, please let Newcastle be a mid-table team. We don't want to have another releg- battle with relegation. We want to win the cups. Well, if you want to do that, then you have to back the manager. You have to be able to furnish this fantastic manager that you've got with what he needs, and that hasn't happened. There's a lot of questions for Mike Ashley. I, I didn't think the the interview really answered any of them. If I'm being perfectly honest, I thought it was pretty um, skin deep. Good interview in terms of you know it came out with some interesting lines. I think Mike Ashley always comes across as very honest and very open, but what he actually says doesn't necessarily bear up to that much scrutiny. It was only a few weeks ago that he was saying he had absolutely no bearing whatsoever on Newcastle United. Now six seven weeks later. He's giving an interview about Newcastle United. So, you know, I was, I found it, uh, I know a lot of Newcastle fans were, were you know, gave, gave him the thumbs up and said good on him for being honest. But um, I was kind of pretty unimpressed with the detail, the level of detail in it. You know, I, I feel like he's not a details man, Mike Ashley. I think that's part of the problem for Newcastle United. I think he, he deals with broad brush strokes. Okay, get on with it. He has, an, he has a, a meeting with somebody and he says, go and get on with it. But when people try and get on with it, I think they get caught up in the specifics of what Mike Ashley actually wants. So, for example, Rafa wanted Tammy Abraham. Rafa wanted, we know, Caballero. We know he wanted other things. What we could really do with finding out is exactly why those things didn't happen. Because when you ask Rafa, he doesn't know particularly well. I suspect that what happened was that Newcastle at that point were waiting for money to land in their bank account from the Premier League. Now, you know, that would suggest that the bank account was absolutely at zero, um, which, you know, I don't I, I don't necessarily, you know, I don't know, I don't have the, the, the club's exact financials, but looking at the last accounts, you know, there should have been a bit more money there. Where's the money gone, for example, that they were meant to spend for Sadio Berahino? Where's the money that they were going to potentially at one point spend on Andros Townsend? Um, you know, it, it, it just, to me, feels like it was a, a bit of an opportunity for Mike Ashley to be really specific about what happened. There was a lot of stuff about um, why did you buy Newcastle United? Well, it's kind of irrelevant now why you bought Newcastle United. What's really relevant to Newcastle United fans is where they go from here. And there were a lot of questions about that. Do you think, for instance, the apology to Keegan and uh, you know his admission that he dealt with Chris Hutton badly and also at Shearer, do you think that was a bit of a marketing ploy to kind of maybe try and get the fans more on side? No, I think he is. I think he genuinely recognises that he made that he made a mistake there. I think he's always been pretty honest about the fact that he's made a lot of mistakes in Newcastle United. Uh, it'd be interesting to hear whether he's said that privately to those people or whether that's a public apology that's kind of intended um, uh, you know it's just been kind of like you know a question there and he's oh well I'd like to apologise to them whether he has privately tried to build those bridges you know we know that Kevin Keegan is such a massive figure in the club's um, past Alan Shearer you know I think it's best to say that the relationship between him and Mike Ashley um, you know is probably not the greatest I, I mean I don't know specifically what that relationship's like but I know from you know the recent past that obviously I think Alan Shearer was mystified about 
what happened when he was manager and he was waiting to hear from the club and that never happened. Um, Chris Hewton, well, you know, again, Chris Hewton, like, I, we acted too quickly. Well, well, did they? Because actually the club did get better under Alan Pardew at the first stage of it. I'm not sure that they necessarily did act too quickly. I think Chris Hewton should have been given more of an opportunity there, but I could at least see the logic of what they were trying to do. The club, they gave Chris Hewton the job to try and get them over the line for that, that season in the Championship, which they did. Um, the players, they felt that the players were too strong at that point. There was at least an idea there of what they were trying to do. What frightens me a little bit about this summer is I don't see what the club is trying to do. That's what worries me the most. I, I don't see what the long-term vision of it is. I'm going to write a piece for uh, me column this weekend on that because, you know, two, three years ago when I um, I was talking to somebody pretty high up at the football club before they went on the spending spree with Mitrovic, member and Bemba and Wijnaldum and the message then was, we have balanced the books. Now we've got some money coming in. We are going to go for it this summer. And to be fair, they did spend a fair bit of money. So there was kind of a feeling that all the pain of the, the previous years of not spending, of scrimping and saving, was being done in order to have a go that year. They got relegated that year. The following summer, and then they spent money in January, the following summer they spent money again. So is the message now that, that look, the money's run out, we have to go through this austerity again, this black and white austerity, if you will, again, to get back to the point. Okay, if that's the case, communicate that to Rafa, because he didn't recognise it, and actually you know, find a way of communicating that out there because if that's a philosophy, if that's what the club need to do, they need to say that because then people can get on board and then at least Rafa can make a educated decision on what his future is because at the moment it feels like the difficulty is because Rafa felt one thing was happening and another thing's happened. Um, you know, and I think that's where the whole, you know, it was bad timing for Mike Ashley to come out and do it. Rafa's just said he's unhappy, he's unsettled. Mike Ashley should be if he's getting involved with the football club, which didn't, you know, which Rafa doesn't think he, he should necessarily get involved in the football club, or he was, it was under his impression that he worked with Lee Charnley. If he wants to get involved in the football club, go and speak to Rafa because he is the one keeping everything together at the moment. He's, you know, they get this whole forty thousand season tickets because of Rafa, not because Mike Ashley has, you know, funded a fantastic recruitment drive. They're, those people are turning up because Rafa has given them something to believe in in their football club, and. If Mike Ashley can't recognise that that is, at the moment, the most important thing at Newcastle United, then he's heading for a fall again. And it, in two years' time, if he's still there, he'll be apologising to Rafa Benitez, who will be at another football club. What did you make of his comments that his values, wealth, is like wallpaper? When you look at... Is it... Because he uh, he's richer than a lot of yeah. Premier League owners. Um, so is it a case that it's just his ambition to make Newcastle into this... Premier League force that's missing because yeah. I mean he, he has got the value he's worth 2.4 billion yeah. pounds but but I think I think I've never had a problem with Mike Ashley not putting his own personal wealth into the football club because you know look like he says you know I mean he does spend a lot of money but on on things but you know it, it's at the end of the day it is his money whether he wants to spend it or not what what I've always found difficult is that you know he makes these decisions about things in he admits I mean Alan Pardew the most prophetic thing that Alan Pardew ever said was Mike Ashley doesn't know football he actually said it and he nearly got fired for saying it you know it was that it was that kind of um it was that kind of serious uh, to, to Mike Ashley he didn't like that idea that you know one of his employees went on went up on TV and said 
he doesn't really know anything about football, but he doesn't. So you employ people who do know about football, you pay them a fair wage, and that's what he's that's what he looked like he was doing with Rafa Benitez. His message last summer was get on with it, Rafa. I don't have a problem. You know, look, he's right. They, you know, no matter how wealthy he is, he can't compete with Manchester City. The amount of money that they spend, they can't compete with. Um, couldn't compete with Chelsea when Chelsea was spending big um, and they can't compete with Manchester United because Manchester United are arguably one of the five biggest kind of sporting brands and most profitable sporting brands in the world but you know the fact is and whether Mike Ashley you know he wasn't asked about this he mentioned at the start of it Newcastle could conceivably have been the fourth biggest football club in the, in the UK that's why he bought it it's not now. It's not even in probably the you know they're gonna they're gonna have a battle on this year to stay in the Premier League. Well, when I started here nine years ago, coming up to ten, Newcastle United were a fixture in the Premier League. They hadn't been relegated for a long time, um, and they were a fixture in the Premier League. They're not now. They're they're actually a yo-yo club in the Premier League now. They've spent three of the last four years battling relegation, and that's happened on his watch through bad decisions that have been made by either by people that he's employed or by himself. Now that's the that's the pressing question for him. So why get involved and why make try and make decisions when you don't know? Clarity would be the key for Mike Ashley. People, I don't think there's, there's people on the streets saying, get your hand in your pocket, Mike Ashley. They're saying, manage this situation better. Don't make the same mistakes that you made before. Um, it would be better, I think, for all concerned if somebody came in who maybe did have the finances to move Newcastle United forward. But Mike Ashley has sunk a lot of money in in terms of loans in terms of uh yeah well basically in terms of loans which are still there so he's going to want to get that money back and then he's going to want he's going to have a, a an asking price on top of it but um for mike ashley you know he's coming at a, a, a time when actually football clubs can start to finance themselves um because because of the tv money and things like that so it's not necessarily him putting money in but it is about him communicating properly running the thing properly and again, it just feels like it's frayed a little bit at the sides. And Rafa's used to working with very professional football clubs. Is it wrong of Mike Ashley to say Newcastle can't compete with the likes of Man City and Manchester United when A, the fans have never suggested that for a moment, but then B, two, three minutes later in this interview, he then says, well, the dream is to win the Champions League. Does, it, Do, does that balance out? Well, I think, you know, I, I think... I think there's a, there's a kind of like dichotomy with with Mike Ashley of like there's this kind of emotional side of him that loves the idea of having a football club, and he you know he loves he wants to have fun he wants to enjoy it, um, but then there's this rational side of him that kind of like runs it like he runs Sports Direct and looks at the bottom line and wants to know where the money you know why the money is being spent. I mean last January if we're to be you know if my understanding is correct, he wanted to know why Newcastle was spent would spent tied the club down to big contracts for players who who weren't getting in the team. Now, actually, as it turns out, given that this summer they can't sell some of those players, he maybe had a point there. But, you know, if you're going to quibble over it, actually, they won the championship because they had a bigger squad than anybody else. Their, their first 11 probably wasn't man-for-man blowing the rest of the division away, but their squad was good enough to get in the top two, and then their first 11 was good enough to win the league. Um so my problem with Mike Ashley saying this stuff about the Champions League and winning cups and things is that all of the things that he has done, the actions that he has kind of like either overseen or 
directly tried to sort of influence the club have not led to that. You know, they have they gave away the FA Cup for three or four years because the message coming from the top was, look, you know, we need to stay in the Premier League, which actually a lot of fans, although a lot of fans were really upset with that, you know, probably this year, if you offer Newcastle fans survival or a run in one of the Cups. I know Lewis was saying earlier about, you know, take the Cup seriously, and I agree with that. But, um, you know, I think a lot of fans this year and last year would have said league's the priority. So, but, you know, you need a big squad to compete in the Cups. And Newcastle have never had a big squad under Mike Ashley because he won't sanction signings or whoever's been running it on his behalf would not sanction signings while they still have two or three players there who who, who are there. So, you know, you, you had a situation two, three years ago where they didn't have a left-back who could play and, you know... They ended up playing Vernon Neat and Jack Colback at left back when Rafa first came in. Now, whatever you think about the way that Rafa has reassembled the squad, and I've seen a few people this this summer raising questions about the way that Rafa's spent the money, which is fair enough, you know, because that's it's an opinions game and fair enough. But the way that he reshaped that squad last um, summer means that they have on Saturday, despite losing two defenders and their midfielder. It's not a case of, oh, they were down to the bare bones. What do we do? Actually, you've got Chance on November, international centre-back. Jamal Lascelles, club captain. Manquillo played played pretty well. You've got Yedlin potentially coming back in at right-back. Um, they've got options at the back. They've got options in goal. You know, they're not going to be left like they were two, three, you know, a few years ago where they had had to play Jack Anik for that little run because he's got three, four goalkeepers, three goalkeepers who will play. Um, so it's a deep squad and that's Rafa, that's a football manager knowing exactly what it is because you never know when injuries are going to come. Mm. And that's why Rafa is so frustrated with this thing about the strikers because they don't have options. They, they, until Hosselu came in this um, this week, they didn't really have anybody else apart from Mitrovic and Gale who you could rely on. So, um, you know, I think for me, Mike Ashley, what, my big thing about every time Mike Ashley does an interview is what he says does not tally with what actually happens at Newcastle United. If what he said was a reflection of what's going to happen at Newcastle United and what has happened at Newcastle United, brilliant. Please talk away all the time. But it's not. You know, you're going to get every penny that the Premier League promotion generates. Okay, right, well, let's look at that statement. That has obviously meant agents' fees, increases in wages for getting into the Premier League, uh, transfer fees, the wage budget, uh, bonuses... So that then becomes, yes, you probably are getting £60 million, which is what we always said they were going to do, but it doesn't get you very far. So, you know, that's the problem. Rafa understood something differently from what he was told in that meeting because he said that himself now. Um, and that's the problem, isn't it, then? OK, if you're Mike Ashley and you're employing Rafa Benitez, you then go in and say, right, let's hammer down the specifics here. But I don't think Mike Ashley's a details man, and that, I think that's the problem. Uh, John O'Neill on Twitter asks why isn't Mike Ashley able to or perhaps why doesn't he want to take a loan against the, the, the kind of TV money and money for survival that would come with staying in the Premier League well to be fair to him he did put money in last summer to um, to inv- they invested they invested last summer when you know in the previous time they got relegated they cut so to be fair to him you know he, he has there um it's a very good question why he won't do that because to me that is speculating to accumulate speculating to accumulate which they did do last summer so why he won't do it this summer I don't know I assume it's because the prices are just insane and in the championship they could sign 10 million pound players and be look brilliant 
the problem is that I think that they're now he's now looking at the Premier League and the money that is being spent in the Premier League the money that's being wasted in the Premier League let's be perfectly honest and he's saying I don't fancy any bit of this and I, my personal take on it if I had to analyse what was said is that I think Mike Ashley a little bit of Mike Ashley sits there and goes well I've been told Rafa Benitez is the best manager one of the best managers in the world go and prove it go and prove it Rafa you know keep this team up and do things on on, on this budget we're paying you more than we've ever paid him another manager go and prove it you know put up or shut up He's obviously not going to say that to Rafa, but I think that's what I think. There's a little bit of that because I think he is. He does feel like you know. Um, well, I keep getting told how great Rafa is. Well, go out and you know you're picking the players. You go and do it now. My, I don't particularly agree with that because I think that you know it's all about relationships for me. Football, you know, the the, the teams that work well and the clubs that work well have good relationships at the tops. So Newcastle had a good relationship at the top last summer. Lee Charney and Rafa Benitez worked well together. They went out and got the players. They took some risks, but the risks paid off. Um, it feels to me a little bit like this summer, it's those relationships. Forward. They've just broken down a bit, haven't they? And, that is, and that's when you're in, you're in trouble. Rafa is a relationships man. He likes to know that he's at least got the ear of whoever he's working with. Um, so, yeah, it, it, I think that's the problem. I think the timing of it was poor just before the start of the season. It, Rafa didn't. You know, look. If he doesn't want to talk to Rafa, that's his prerogative. You know, might be. You know, he's he is Mike Ashley's employee at the end of the day. It's up to Mike Ashley whether he wants to talk to him. But he knows that Rafa Benitez is going to have to answer questions about that interview that he's that he's done. Yeah, that's not helpful, is it? Other well, points of Mike Ashley said he wants to emulate Southampton with regards uh, the talent and the academy, and then obviously maybe selling them on a, a good profit. And that's something that Benitez. Mm. at least in terms of improving the academy has spoken about previously he does feel yeah. there's not enough perhaps coming through yeah there's still a long way to go with the academy though you know I think I think it's uh, it's definitely a work in progress I think you know that, that, that there's not a lot of players in that academy ready to play first team Southampton there's been a lot of money invested in that academy they've got a much bigger sort of remit I think you know they, they've They've gone out. They've got a bigger um, area to which to, to bring in players and things. So, you know, again, I think he likes the idea of that. It, you know, it wasn't long ago that Newcastle United's hierarchy were talking about being an Aston Villa. Don't basis. You know, don't try and be a Southampton. Be a new, be the best Newcastle United that you can be. You know, which means yes, investing in the academy, but it means yes, you know, investing in infrastructure, better training ground keeping Rafa Benitez showing a bit of ambition in the transfer market just be the best Newcastle United that you can be nobody will nobody will complain if you know Newcastle United have a go and it doesn't work you know nobody is nobody is going to be down Rafa Benitez's throat if Newcastle go down this season and it doesn't and it, it has been an effort where you feel like well look they've tried their best they've done their best the fact is there will be recriminations if Newcastle struggle this year because something's clearly not gone right and that's the message that, that Mike Ashley doesn't sometimes understand, I think, you know, what, like, does he actually, I mean, when he says, I want to be like Southampton, does he actually know how Southampton run? Has he got any idea of the relationships, the money that's, the, the infrastructure, the money, the investment that's gone into Southampton in the last few years? Does he know that the way that their academy runs, the director of football, they've got Les Reed, you know, it's easy to say we want to be the next Southampton, but look at what they actually do, how professionally they do things. And you'll see the difference of why they can do things that Newcastle United haven't been able to do recently. You know, their model 
has its limitations as well. But you know they've got to a cup final last year and they've been in the Premier League for a good six years, seven years now, haven't they? And never looked like they're going to go down at any point in that time. And in fact, they've got into Europe. They're a, they're a great model, but you know, go and all right, go and find out what Southampton do right and try and emulate it if you want to. But don't just say we want to be Southampton because a lot of time and money and effort has gone into Southampton. And Mike Ashley also talked about his high point. That was under Alan Pardew when they qualified for Europe. Interestingly, Alan Pardew, during the uh, analysis of the Spurs game, said, well, actually, he was told uh, by Mike Ashley that he spent a lot of money the year before and that was it. Now that yeah, we've got we've got to the point where we're at. I mean, what, it's it's funny that you should say that's his high point and then actually what, what happened the summer after was, was practically yeah. the start of... When yes, exactly. Yeah. I think he's spot on, yeah, because that was the beginning of the the beginning of the kind of decline, which then ended up with Newcastle having the successive or yeah three successive or two successive relegation fights. The second of which they didn't, they couldn't, they couldn't stay up. Um, well, I was told at the time that Ashley was furious that they didn't get into the top four because he'd he'd gone out on a limb to go and invest in Papu Cisse, which was the which was the problem then. Um, you know. You've seen it. You see it time and time again in football that if you rest on your laurels, especially when the, especially when things things you know you have money, then you you don't. It's not that you don't move forward. You you, you actually actively go backwards. And the big thing for me that they didn't anticipate was the change that the not the current TV deal, but the previous TV deal leveled the playing field massively that summer. So Newcastle um, had done really well because they were in a unique position and I mentioned this loads in the book anybody who's read the book will realise the first chapter's all about this that Newcastle um, had the season of 2011-2012 that summer they positioned themselves really well as look if you're a player and the top six aren't interested in you come to Newcastle we'll pay you better than they do we've got 50,000 fans screaming your name and we'll make you there'll be a platform to go and sign for those top four which worked really well. It brought in Kabai, brought in Denver Bar, brought in um, a few players. I'm trying to think a few of the others. Um, came in yeah, there were, there were a few that summer. Marvo, who obviously didn't work out, but there were some good players that summer. Um, then the subsequent summer, two years later, Dimitri Payet ends up at West Ham. Red Mares goes to Leicester. Other teams caught up with Newcastle. And the problem was that, you know, there was a bit of, I think, ego there from Alan Pardew as well, because I heard that one of the things that was said in the transfer meetings was Pardew said, well, we've got a decent under-23 team, Sammy Amiobi, Harris Vukic, Curtis Good, these players, um, Rob Elliott at the time as well, Paul Dummett, he thought as well, um, was players that sort of going under Adam Campbell, who he really liked as well. And he said, don't worry about it. We've got more games, but I'm going to, I'm going to, manage these players these youngsters Gail Bicker Romano was another one um, I'm going to manage this squad so that this squad will will work well we don't need a load of players in because he backed himself a little bit there so um, and that didn't work out in the end but yeah it was a lack of ambition that was a good opportunity for Newcastle to kick on um, but they didn't do it and that was partly because I think they spent a lot they spent the summer they spent the summer budget then uh, in bringing Papu Cissé in then in this winter, that winter, they basically spent the following summer's transfer budget bringing in Sissoko, 
Debussy, they, they basically went and spent that money and stuff. So that was that was what they did. And then the following year, they actually started okay, weren't they? They were about fifth or sixth at Christmas. And it just fell away because, you know, there was all kinds of problems with Pardew and things like that as well. So, you know, you, you're trawling through history and, and really Mike Ashley's biggest mistake, I think, has been to not take the opportunity sometimes that Newcastle has presented. And now they are fighting against the tide a little bit. Um, and it's a risk of actually making the same mistakes. It's a vicious circle, isn't it? Because it, it is a bit of a risk not to fully back uh, Benitez. I think Julian Genius has said in an interview today that it makes him feel almost sick that Benitez hasn't been back. Mm. Because if Newcastle do drop out of the Premier League again this season, and bear in mind, yes, we know it's only one game gone, but mm. there is a, a risk that that will happen. You know, that's unthinkable because mm. the amount of money they will lose out on. Yeah, because... Um, this January, the next TV deal is going out to tender, um, which will come at, kick in from 2019, I think, 2019. So that's two seasons, 2018, 2019, 2020, I think the next TV deal starts. I'll, I'll check that one. Might be wrong on that one. But that, that goes out to tender this January. So you'll hear this season probably what the, the value of the next TV deal is, which could potentially, I think that I saw some industry um, sort of, kind of specialists saying that, that it could go up by another 600 million so you could be looking and then that will be spread out and then that's, that's just the domestic TV deal then you've got the foreign TV deal as well so you could be looking at another you know more money for every team in the Premier League so it's, it's important for a club like Newcastle to be in the Premier League because you know if you lose that finance then you are you are up against it we've seen the impact of missing out on one year of it um, and you know you'd think for Mike Ashley the, the key thing would be just to protect that asset make sure it's they're still in the Premier League because as long as they're still in the Premier League they're generating money they can go and spend some money um, so yeah it is it is really important I, I think Rafa wasn't expecting 400, 500 million he wasn't expecting 150, 200 million tra- on transfer fees he, that wasn't what he was expecting I think what frustrated him is that the the uh, way that Newcastle have gone about their business because he's basically saying we didn't get this player in it's caused me further problems if I'd have had Tammy Abraham in yeah it was going to cost a lot of money and you know we spoke about it in previous podcasts where I said it was an expensive deal and you know I can understand why Newcastle vetoed that deal Um, but if he'd have got that in then he wouldn't have had to worry about you know bringing in an unproven striker in uh, Hosselu um and maybe looking for another one as well. Same with the goalkeepers. It's caused a whole load of problems for Rafa to have no uh, goalkeeper in because now he's got Freddie Woodman who's unsettled. He's got Carl Darlow who's unsettled. Rob Elliott's not sure about what his position is. If you just bring in the first choice goalkeeper we wanted, solve that problem. Answered, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's the thing, isn't it? So it's not necessarily even just finance. It's the way that they've, way that they've been. Um, and that does, unfortunately, get back to finance. It's a new name mentioned today. We'll move on to transfers, and you know, in a way, it's glad that it's it's very nearly over this window because the amount of names that Newcastle linked to. Yeah. There's a new one today in uh, Shotovic, who's the next Manchester City striker. Yeah, who's in Tomorrow uh, at the moment. I mean, he's going to be on a heck of a lot of money. I think wages have been a big problem for Newcastle this summer. Um, although probably in Italy, you know, I mean, his Manchester City wages would have been huge. Whether in Italy, he's probably matched them. I mean, Inter pay quite well Newcastle have not been paying the money have not been offering the wages that a lot of these Premier League clubs are, have been offering and that's why they're not getting a lot of the players that they wanted I think um, Hustle won't be on a lot none of the players they brought in will be on a lot so Jovetic to me that sounds unlike, unlikely 
Um, but, you know, without having... I think Rafa will be spinning a heck of a lot of plates at the moment. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if inquiries have gone in for certain players. You know, he was obviously interested in Lucas Perez, but the money for that deal, I think, was a problem. So they went back to Stoke for Hosselu as well, went made, you know, made that transfer happen. But I think they're looking for another striker. So, um, you know, God, he would, he would love a player like that in. Um, but, you know, it's like everything. If they get rid of Mitrovic, if they sell Mitrovic, then you know, maybe one. it's on maybe it's on the table yeah maybe there is a chance of getting something like that on the table and where do, where do you see Josh Lou fitting in is he second choice is Mitrovic now down to third um, well I, I think he'll play I think he'll, he's coming to play um, Dwight Gale's probably the number one option at the moment um, but I thought Dwight Gale looked really rusty on Sunday I didn't think he looked I thought he looked like a player who'd only played like 90 minutes in the whole of pre-season because he was struggling a little bit Um I think he'll play, yeah. I think he'll play. I don't think he'll start on Saturday, on Sunday, sorry, but I think he'll he'll figure on Sunday. Um, he'll play probably then against Nottingham Forest in midweek. Um, Mitro's just he's just down the pecking order, isn't he? He's just he doesn't trust him. Um, he didn't come on on Sunday, which I was I thought to be honest, you know, Rafa Benitez is, is you know Champions League winner, so what do I know? But I thought he'd have been better off starting with Mitro on, on um, Sunday. Just didn't think Gale looked fit. Mm. I didn't think he looked. You know, I understood why he had him because he wanted somebody to, to run the channels time and time again. But I think Mitrovic would have probably made more of an impact. But he won't definitely won't play him on Sunday. I don't think because you know it's going to require a bit of discipline away from home. And I don't think he'll play him. I think he'll play Gale and he'll have Hosselu and Mitrovic on the bench. Uh, Did you think Dwight Gale was a bit of? Caution in the way he was playing on since I know he didn't get that many chances, mm. but a few people mentioning maybe it was a few balls he didn't chase. Do you think that hamstring injuries on his mind, or do you think it was just he just no, didn't I get think, the chances? No, I think he was feeding on scraps, wasn't he? I, I don't think he was unfit. I just think he looked like a man who hadn't played that much because mm. he hadn't played in the previous two friendlies, three friendlies, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> so it's a big call from Rafa to put him in. Um, uh, but you know, I don't, no, I don't think he's necessarily unfit. I think there's a problem there in that, like a little bit of the he has to be 100% fit to to play. Um, he feels like you know, he, I think there's a bit of him where psychologically he finds it difficult if he hasn't trained to to play. So he, the fact that he trained a lot, um, he'd loaded up and he'd done he'd done his his bits. You know, made he was probably fit to play, um, but he just didn't have much of it. I mean, they only had 27% possession on Sunday. Which would have been fine if they'd have got something out of it, um, but you know the Shelby situation meant that we can't really judge that game properly, because the sh- you know with with eleven men it would have been a very different second half from what it ended up being with ten. Moving on to 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 Sunday at Huddersfield and they started mm. absolute in dreamland against a really in. poor Palace though. That's very true, but you know. nevertheless, I mean they looked they looked decent, they looked good. A striker, a new striker, Muni looked looked very good. Obviously, just one game, so mm. what you know that could all change, but. How do you think Rafa first of all is going to set up? Because the last time they went down to Huddersfield, he absorbed his mm. set his team to absorb the pressure. It was an absolute tactical masterclass, in my opinion. It was, yeah. I think, the best performance of the whole of last season because he sat back, he let Huddersfield come at his team, and Newcastle got them on the counter. Mm. Is it going to be a bit different this Sunday? Yeah, because Huddersfield are a better team now than they were. They've brought in four or five who who've definitely improved their levels. That they're a better side. They could probably score more goals. Than they could last season. They've got Mounier, they've got um, Tom Ince as well, who's you know can 
probably got a little bit more about him than some of the midfielders who they had last season. They're a better team than they were last season. Now, whether Newcastle, Newcastle are a better team than they were last season, yeah, probably. You know, they've added one or two bits of quality. I'll be really interested to see how Marino does. Big transfer. Like, well, I think he'll play. I'd be disappointed if he doesn't play, to be honest, because, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, not that... I, I think you want to see, you want to have a playmaker in there. At the moment, they've, you know, without Shelby, they, they haven't got too you much. All the strings, so to speak, yeah. No, I, but Marino will be interested to see how he plays. Um, I think they'll, they'll play, they'll, they'll set up differently than they did last season because that was a different kind of game as well. Newcastle just had to not lose that game. He'll be looking to get something, I think, out of Sunday. I think he'll be looking to win that game. But Newcastle are more than capable of winning that match. You know, I thought on Sunday it was always up against it, really. But they're more than capable of winning that one um, on Sunday. You know, Huddersfield are going to have their tails up, but they've had their tails up for the best part of 14 months now. You know, they had a lot of confidence last season. Newcastle were the better team than they bested them twice last season. They lost the first game, but they probably deserved more than that. The second half, they were the better team. Huddersfield hit them on the break and won that game. But Newcastle were the better team, I think, in that game. Second game, probably Huddersfield would say they should have had a little bit more than they got, but Newcastle were comfortably, I think, you know, deserved winners in that game. Um, it'd be a different, it'd be really interesting. I know there's a lot of Newcastle fans that are probably feeling a little bit pessimistic about it, but it's a new game, isn't it? You know, I think that Newcastle are a better team than they showed on Sunday, and you know, they at least looked fit, motivated, organised. Mm determined you know they didn't let it go when they uh, when they went down to 2-0 it could have been 4 or 5 we've seen that in Newcastle teams in the past they've lost games heavily I don't think they'll do that this season so it, or game on on Sunday you know like there are no easy points for Newcastle this season um, and that includes Huddersfield that includes going to Brighton which they've got to do in a few weeks time as well um, West Ham and Stoke as well and Swansea so there's, there's, there's points to be won in the next few weeks um, and you know, I'd like to see. I know, I know the listeners will sort of say, oh, "Well, it's your fault because you asked the questions." I'd like to see the agenda move on a little bit from the kind of the, the unhappiness of um, Rafa and what's happening in the, the hierarchy of the club. Because you know, there's a season here, and I've seen too many seasons at Newcastle United wither at the vine of where the football's kind of second. yeah. Well, the season they got relegated. The first season they got relegated with Key in. Uh, when that happened was just, you know, they they very nearly stayed up that year. And the fact that they went down was solely because they lost, they took their eye off the ball for a good three or four months. You know, that happened with McLaren as well, I think, a little bit that season. You know, it was all about, you know, it just didn't feel quite right, did it? The, 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 the agenda was wrong, just didn't feel right. This season, it's, it's had little echoes of that as well. But, you know, Rafa will, Rafa will get people's attentions back on the football I think he's having his say at the moment you know every time by the way every time he does say he's unhappy they go and sign somebody you know he said they were he said he was unhappy before the island trip they went and signed Jacob Murphy he said he was unhappy um, a few weeks ago and he got Mikel Marino in about in two days later he said he's unhappy on Saturday they've signed Hossley within three days you know, he has that power. It's a tactic. But has a it's a tactic. You know, it's not. He is unhappy, but it's a tactic, and it, it it's worked. Prediction for for Sunday. Um, a draw. I like Huddersfield. I think they're a good team. 
I don't like Huddersfield. Sorry, I don't sorry, like Huddersfield. I was Huddersfield. going to say that. Sorry, you like I don't Huddersfield? Like Huddersfield. I, I, you know, as a West Yorkshire man, I don't like it. But no, I think they're a good team, and I think that they'll have a go this season. I think they, they, there's a good chance of them staying up. I think they'll they'll it'll look healthy for them at Christmas in terms of staying up. Less healthy at the end of the season. I think they'll probably be there or thereabouts in terms of relegation fight. Will Newcastle? That's the question, isn't it? You don't want to give them a six-point head start at this stage of the season. There's a lot to make back. You know. Newcastle have to get points on the board as early as possible. If they win on Sunday, that's a tremendous result and that will be massive weight off everybody's shoulders. Correct, and we'll just finish with some uh, questions from social media. So we have uh, Matt Milne who asks, what's going on with those players who Benitez is trying to get rid of? Is it kind of a stalemate at the moment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Rafa uh, said to us last Friday that, you know, they're all on such big wages that championship teams are kind of waiting to see what what happens with them, they're all waiting, and there's going to be some moves. I think at the end of the at the end of the summer, the end of the summer about well, for those players. Jack Colback's a good one, isn't he? Like Aston Villa, really interested in him. Villa have had an absolutely horrendous start to the season. One point from nine. You know, I mean, that by the way, you know, when we're sitting here talking about Newcastle's problems, Aston Villa are in a world of trouble. They've already given up eight points to um, some teams at the top of the Championship who are going to do really well. They might come in for callback um, if you know if, if they can if they can shift players out, which I think they're looking to do with Ross McCormack, aren't they? Um, I think those players will go, but at the moment, then their motivation is not enough to for them to go out and force the move. You'll see Daryl Murphy coming back on Wednesday, by the way, for um, not Forest. What a professional he is! He's decided to go out. He's taken all right, a good contract offer at Nottingham Forest. He's playing, scored twice already this season. You know, for me, that would be my motivation as a professional footballer. But, you know, there's obviously all different kind of reasons why a lot of those other players are staying at Newcastle. But you can't force them to go anywhere. They've got contracts. That's the worry, isn't it? And finally, Sean Pierce asks if you could pick three realistic transfers uh, for the next few weeks. Who would it be? Well, good question. Because um, I would have had... Uh, you see, I would have probably had Will Hughes at the start of the summer, who I really liked, who obviously went to Watford in the end. Um, that is a very good question. It's, I think there's, I think for me, I would have looked at, who's the lad at, I'm trying to think the guy at Chelsea, who's just gone to Middlesbrough, Lewis Baker, I think was a decent, decent shout. They ended up, um, they ended up getting him on loan. Shea Ogier was another one as well. Who could they go for now, striker-wise? Uh, Lucas Perez is obviously a realistic one. Um, I, th- I've, I mentioned Bazdos the other week, you know, because I think that would be a kind of player. I think they looked at him as well, didn't they? Um, and I think Lee's been on the podcast before. I mentioned Andy Carroll. Obviously, not fit enough, but I mean that would be a big kind of. I would love them to sign somebody who just gets everybody like thinking, "All right, they're going to have a go again." Um, Andy Carroll's injuries are always going to be a problem but I tell you West Ham would do a deal for Andy Carroll his wages are huge but I think West Ham would do a deal for Andy Carroll because she's desperate to get him off the wage bill um, a year's loan with an option to buy at the end of the season who knows I'm going to throw a name in the hat I'm going to mention that this is take with a pinch of salt it's a uh... A cheeky loan deal for Diggy Costa. could Benitez not use his Chelsea contacts no I think you know it hasn't cost Costa said he wants to go to Atletico Madrid hasn't he he can't because they've got that uh, yeah. they've got the transfer by now haven't they so you yeah. have to 
miss six months of football. I think Ronald. Co- I think as Ronald Koeman said today that he want he wouldn't mind taking him at Everton. You know, look, hey, if Diego Costa. By the way, Diego Costa um, is not match fit at all at the moment. You know, and he's a big lad anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean, that would be a terrific deal. But again, you know. Does Diego Costa want to come and play at Newcastle United? Why wouldn't you want to come play at Newcastle United? Well, See, well we think that, don't we? We think that. But, I mean, you know, you've seen this summer already. What the, You know, players... players, are, It's not that they don't want to come and play for Newcastle United. It's that, that it's... You know, the wages have to be right. You know, it's, the, the mix, the chemistry has to be right in the squad. I do Costa would be a terrific signing, wouldn't he? But, I mean, you know, it's not realistic. I've not certainly not heard it anyway. But, you know, hey, you never know. I think there's still deals to be done for Newcastle. Um, they need a goalkeeper. They'll probably get Kennedy. There might be one other as well. I think there might be one other as well. But they're going to need to get players out because the squad's absolutely huge now. Um, what, two weeks to go, is it now? Not one at all. Thursday, isn't it? Yeah, so it's two weeks to go. And I was just joking there with the costuming, but I thought I'd mention it anyway. Why not? We can live in hope. <laughs> uh, well, there you have it. If you head over to chroniclelive.co.uk, we'll continue to bring you all the latest Newcastle United news, and we'll be back next week. Uh, have a good weekend.